Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 104 of UAB Green and Told, original debut Monday, August 14th, 2023. This podcast gives us a chance to share stories from members of the UAB community. Take a listen back to past episodes at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. And while there, leave a written review so more alums can discover us. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and director of communications in the Office of Alumni Affairs. The bond between mother and daughter can be incredibly close-knit. For the guests of today's podcast, that appears to be the case. Jennifer and Alex Summerlin are both UAB-educated educators. But as they'll share, the classroom connection they now have wasn't one that was always in the cards. I remember the moment she called me and said, I think I'm going to go into elementary education. And I said, what? And she said, I'm going to go into elementary education. I'm like, okay. That decision proved to make one proud mama. And as we'll discover, made for quite the discussion when Alex became a student in one of her classes. One of the students in the class told her, she said, your mom's really intense. And Alex said, yeah, she's like that all the time, all the time. (laughs) Yeah, you tell me she's intense. I'm like, I know. Intensity and passion easily exude from both Summerlins. And it's because of that, Alex found herself ready for reading, writing, arithmetic once she found herself with her own classroom of kids to teach. I felt very well prepared to make instructional decisions and assess the kids and figure out kind of next steps for them. Let's be real. Deep down, many of us want our kids to follow in our footsteps somehow, some way. It could be that you want them to possess your character or work ethic, or maybe you'd like them to share your alma mater or career path. For Jennifer Summerlin, the latter two came true through her daughter's choice to attend UAB and become a teacher. But let's start this story with the matriarch of the Summerlin family first. Before she would meet and marry her high school sweetheart, Jennifer had always had an idea of what she wanted to do. I knew from birth I wanted to be a teacher. Um, played school, every teacher, no matter what the teacher did. I, I tried the instructional technique for myself. Um, but when we got married, um, I just really wanted to take a year and work. Okay. So I worked at Health South when it was on the hill. I did billing for a pain management doctor. And I got sick and was out a couple of days and came back and just thought, nobody knows I'm gone. Like, this job, anybody could be sitting in this seat. This isn't what I want to do. And my husband at the time, Scott, was worked for UAB Grounds. We were very, very young, 18 and 20, 21. So um, I got one free class at UAB because he worked for UAB for the grounds department. And I started my work at UAB as an undergraduate. What was it about education that drew it? You know, every little boy, every little girl, they sit their stuffed animals around them and they teach. I mean, I did it. My kids did it. But what was it about teaching that kind of drew you in? I think that knowing that every day that I was there, people depended on me to be there and to be my best. I am very passionate about reading and and math and writing instruction that allows kids to really be independent and grow in their autonomy as thinkers and learners. Um, And so I just think knowing that I needed to be there and knowing that they were dependent on me being there was really what what pulled me to it. Um, A little bit about being in charge. I I have to be honest, you know, um, (laughs) it's, you know, that's just a minimal thing because they're really there's so much involved and it's a busy job i mean every day Mm -hmm. is something different 
it's exciting. And I think kids are amazing. They're brilliant. Were you kind of like your mom where you kind of grew up knowing you wanted to be a teacher or was it, you know, this is what my mom's doing. I really don't want to go that route. It's kind of a back and forth um, <laughs> type of thing. When I got to UAB, I actually took a chemistry class and I had never really been very interested in science. Um, and I just, I loved it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a science degree. So I met with all of these, you know, counselors and I actually started in the biomedical sciences program. It was fabulous. Um, I took all kinds of science classes, got right up until the end. And I was like, okay, I need to go job shadow and very quickly realized that I was not meant to do any type of medical situation. And so <laughs> I had to kind of revisit and really I just liked learning the science um, and I was interested in the topics so I did a um, UAB teach program at UAB and kind of went into a classroom with kids and I was like okay I've been fighting it um, but this is the route that I need to go so I swapped over to the education program um, and yeah that's it so it was the best choice I love being a teacher. <laughs> Jennifer when you found out that your daughter was going to kind of follow in your footsteps and become an educator was it a proud mom moment? Of course. So I have two daughters. Um, Alex is the oldest. Abby is 15 months younger than Alex. I wish both of them, you know, would have gone into teaching, but they just kept saying, no, no, that's not what I want to do. And I will tell you, though, the moment that she got all the way through the biomedical science program and got to that point, her dad and I got very panicked because at first she was like, no, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm just gonna I think she said be the manager of the Pandora and um I was my husband was like what are you gonna do and I said I can't do anything she's an adult you know <laughs> um but getting her in the UAV teach was really the vehicle because I just kept thinking you've got this all of this science coursework you know and you love science and math but she loves learning and I love learning and so being in that fifth grade classroom I remember the moment she called me and said I think I'm gonna go into elementary education and I said what and she said, I'm going to go into elementary education. I'm like, okay. And then I'm thinking, um, I think I might be teaching you. We're going to have to really think about how this works. So <laughs> what was the transition like going from a classroom of young youth into now, okay, I'm teaching adults, basically young adults and molding those minds that had to have been kind of a, a totally different way it of was. approach. It was, I really hadn't, didn't. You know, a lot of people think the tenure in the school system, it, it's not similar to the, the tenure system in higher ed. Okay. Having to get on a tenure track position and then the, the research component, the teaching and the school, all of those were very, very foreign to me. And I'm passionate about teachers. So I really had to work hard at feeling confident as a writer and working with adult learners. It is different. It's very different their styles, their interests, their attitudes, um, helping them see the value of, of what you're talking about in a way that is useful, especially when they haven't ever taught. So they don't really have the background knowledge to go, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You have to really work hard to help them know this is what happens in the classroom and this is why you need to understand this. I will say though that I, I've always had a pretty good level of credibility with students. And I know it's because of my time in the classroom, you know, so um, that that's been a benefit. Also having taught in multiple school systems, 
everyone that I started teaching with, you know, is either in administration or higher ed. And so those connections across the state have also been helpful um, for getting our pre-service teachers in classrooms to really see what it looks like and to try it out for themselves. Alex, your mom mentioned that she chose UAB kind of by convenience because your dad was <laughs> working. Why did you choose UAB? You knowing that your mom was there at the time and teaching. In my mind, since I was a little kid, knew I was going to go to UAB. Um, it's the only college I applied to. Um, <laughs> I also am very close to both my parents, so I wouldn't have gone somewhere um, far away anyway, just because I am always, you know, talking to them and <laughs> so, I would have been too sad. <laughs> why that connection with UAB? Um, I don't know. I guess just because she's always there and, <laughs> you know, I just, I was just going to go there. <laughs> when it came time when you switched courses and you're going education, was there kind of a concern that, you know what, I might be put in one of my mom's classes at this point for you, Alex? I mean, did that cross your mind? Um, I knew that was going to happen, but honestly, I was really excited because I've been, you know, learning from her my entire life, but to hear her talk about, you know, what she's passionate about and really learn the mechanics of teaching and how to plan and that it was, you know, it was the best. So, of course, she's she's the same um, <laughs> at school and um, as a teacher and in her actual life. So it was funny to see, you know, when I would come home, my dad would, was the first day he was like, what was it, what was your mom like as a teacher? I was like, she's exactly like she is here. <laughs> Just okay, about something different. <laughs> so let's explore this a little bit because it did happen. Let's start with you, Alex. Be honest. What was it like? I mean, was it kind of awkward? There had to been moments that it's like, oh man, you know, this she's going to be grading me. Um, it wasn't so much that. I really wasn't worried about that. Um, it was more the like social aspect of it that kind of made it you know that was the most tricky part of it um anyone who knows her knows that i did not get extra help that other people did not get <laughs> but i don't you know sometimes other people may have thought you know you know how it is <laughs> how hard was it not to ask mom for a little help when you may have needed it um, I really like to figure stuff out. Yeah. So I didn't really, I did, I don't, I don't want someone to just tell me, um, you know, what it was. So it really wasn't that difficult because I was going to figure it out anyway um, and figure it out on my own. So, you know, I think it was good for us. Like when we would talk about different things or teaching and stuff like that, it's really cool to kind of, once I got that knowledge from her, it was really cool because, you know, I could better understand, you know, what, she was talking about and we could have more, you know, rich conversations about it. I will say though that one of the students in the class told her, she said, your mom's really intense. And Alex said, yeah, she's like that all the time, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you tell me she's intense. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Alex said you had other friends have classes with your mom. And, and if so, what did they say about her? <laughs> um, one of my best friends that I have now, actually, we, went through the class at the same time and we taught at the same school for our first three years. Um, they, you know, she loves her. <laughs> she's always asking, you know, about her and she's really lovely. So <laughs> she's being kind. It was tough at times because, um, you know, I had to kind of set up a peer review system. 
um, and tried to be really transparent with the students. And I really addressed it in the very first class because I thought we just really need to handle this elephant that's in the room. You know, and I said, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're probably aware this is my daughter. And but I was really transparent about uh, with and I set up a system with colleagues. I mean, we want to do right for all of the students that we teach and we want to be fair and equitable. And that's just that's just part of our ethical code. Having a peer review system in place allowed me to make sure that I was being fair, you know, that I wasn't. um too hard on, you know, I, I wasn't expecting more of her than I was other people, but I also wasn't um, favoring her in any way, you know, to make sure that it, it was an equitable system. Everybody was very receptive. I mean, students were very appreciative of me kind of going ahead and setting up that system. And it, I think it worked out. Alex, hearing those words that your mom's saying, how does that make you feel? It's the best compliment ever, because obviously I think she's the best teacher ever. So <laughs> it's the best compliment ever. And it does make me feel very proud. This is a unique relationship because, Jennifer, you have a real world case study that you can look at and ask her questions, see how things are going. Do you use that to your advantage today in the classroom? Yes. yes. So especially with the implementation of um, progress monitoring and screeners, you know, um, with iReady and things like that, she helps me keep a pulse on, number one, what's happening in classrooms, the reality of what teachers are facing, which I then am able to use to say, okay, let's talk about how this works. Trying to help the pre-service teachers who, again, don't have much understanding, you know, of the job is interesting because until you do it, there are so many things you you just are unaware of, um, but helping them think about, okay, Alex is doing what we taught her to do. I mean, we taught her to use a workshop approach. We taught her to increase autonomy and independence in children, that that's the goal, to create readers and writers and mathematicians and scientists and historians that are thinkers. And her students prove it with the results on their scores and they've made unbelievable progress, you know, beginning of the year to the middle of the year. And I can't wait to see what happens at the end. And so to be able to say to them, you know what, this not only is it research and evidence based, but it works. I mean, in real time, let, let me show you, you know, mm-hmm. I often um, tell the pre-service teachers that if you teach a kid to think they'll bring it to the test, no matter what the test is. But if you only teach the test, you're really impeding the child for their life. And so she's living proof of that. When I taught, we didn't have those kinds of um, standardized um, evaluations to show that kind of progress. And so it's really awesome to see, no, I know this works. I know that it's effective. I know it's best practices. And I can take you to a classroom where you can see it in real time and we actually have the evidence that shows it and that makes me so excited you know on the flip side alex you have a great resource basically continuing education free education in your mom do you find yourself picking her brain a lot as you're navigating each class here oh absolutely um we work together to plan units and you know think of different things that they can do or Um, I bring their writing home for her to look at and kind of see, you know, what, okay, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to do this next. What do you think we should work on next? And that kind of stuff, looking at their work. So absolutely take advantage of it. (laughs) 
Alex, what's the biggest challenge right now as a teacher in today's society? Um, I think for me, they're, they are tested so much. Um, and it is, it is a lot. Um, it is good to see the data. Um, but I think that to an extent, I'm always collecting data on them, um, writing down, you know, things they say, looking at work that they do. Sometimes it is that when they take a test on the computer, it's like that holds more weight than everything I've seen them do, you know, for the entire year. There's so much more than what they did on a computer test on what, any given day. Um, and so I think that that is what I have a hard time with. Um, you know, at this point in the year, it's been, you know, this many months of being with them every single day. So I know them, you know, as people, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I know what they can do and I, I know what they can do and I can go to bat for them and prove, you know, that they are able to do all of the things that they need to do. Um, I just don't want them to think that because they got a certain thing on a standardized test on you know, a random Tuesday that that means anything about their intelligence or their ability um, to be six years old. So to be six years old, yeah. right? <laughs> a lot of pressure on a six year old. There definitely is. Uh, yeah. Jennifer, you've spent a career in education. How have you seen the public schools in Alabama change? In, in a lot of ways, we've made tremendous progress. In some ways, we're still a little bit behind. Um, tremendous progress in that, you know, we're, we're using data and evidence for decision making. And that's, that's a tremendous growth. Being the professional development component. When I started, school systems were dependent on UAB and other institutions to provide, to host conferences, summer conferences and, and schools would, would do that. Now that we have reading coaches in every school, um, they're able to provide that immediate and more individualized professional development for teachers, which is lovely. I mean, having those people in place as a part of the school system that are doing that ongoing work is really, really powerful. Um, one thing that I, I'm always concerned about is, um, you know, the Literacy Act. It, that's um, I completely agree that we want all kids to be reading and proficient by the end of third grade. I mean, all of the research shows that early intervention matters. The, the quicker you find out there's a problem and start, um, you know, with triple and third doses of support, the better it is. And it's harder to close the gap the further along. Um, I, I am, though, just concerned that you know, about holding kids back. I know we've worked really hard for many years on getting the graduation rate up. Um, the research also shows if, if a kid is held back, they're more likely to be held back again, which leads to, you know, that causal chain of they're likely to drop out. I think that that concerns me. I want the best for every kid. And, and we know that the majority of reading difficulties are due to a lack of instruction that was needed for the kid at that moment in time. And that could be for a lot of reasons. That doesn't even have to do, maybe necessarily do with teachers. You know, we have schools in our state that are, have a lot of teachers on emergency certification right now. We really do have a, you know, a, a deficit. With that said, I wish that there was a bit more attention to salaries for teachers. Also, I think one unintended consequence of all the testing is that it's hard to attract and recruit people to the profession 
if there's so much intense high stakes um, accountability that you don't know is going to be public or not, that makes it difficult. You know, who who would really want that as their job, especially if they're going to take a, a cut in pay, you know, for, for doing something else. So um, we've got to keep getting the word out about ways to support children at home. We know that that reading to kids from birth to five is one of the, the single um, greatest ways to impact reading achievement um, and really building real partnerships between communities and and schools of higher ed and and the school public schools, you know, so that everybody's doing everything that they can to support families, because as I'm sure you're aware of, there's a lot that happens in life that when you think about that hierarchy of needs, you know, um, parents are, are sending their very best. They're sending their their greatest treasure to us every single day. And there are so many other things going on that sometimes take precedence over an education. And that could be just food on the table. And it doesn't mean that a parent is not doing their job. They're doing everything they can do. And I just want us to be mindful of that and to really, you know, work on wraparound services for families um, so that we're really supporting all of their needs because all of that impacts literacy. If you had one thing that you wish your mom had taught you in the classroom, what would it have been that you know now? <laughs> um, Honestly, I really, I think that I was as well prepared as you can be. There's a lot of invisible um, responsibilities or, you know, things that you have to think through as you plan the entire day um, for eight hours. I don't think there's anything else that could have been taught to me in the time, you know, in the time that I was in school. Um, I felt very well prepared to make instructional decisions and assess the kids and figure out kind of next steps for them, um, which is a majority of what, you know, and how to set up my day um, and things like that. So taking all of those things, you know, as the foundation, you just kind of fill in there are some things you just have to learn at, you know, doing the job. Um, but all of the the biggest things to be successful, I feel like I definitely knew. <laughs> That's Jennifer and Alex Summerlin. Jennifer is a three-time graduate of the School of Education, earning her bachelor's in 1998, master's in 2003, and PhD in 2015. She's currently an assistant professor in the UAB School of Education. Her daughter is a two-time graduate of the School of Education. Alex received her bachelor's degree in 2019 and master's in 2022. Today, she's a first-grade teacher at South Shades Crest Elementary School in Hoover, Alabama. With five degrees between them, this duo definitely has a great idea of what it means to be a blazer. Although I started because my husband, you know, had that class, I got an amazing experience in the, the teacher education program way back when. And I am 2000% the teacher I am because of all of those amazing people. I used to walk around as a student out, I would walk in the hall in the old school of education building, hoping that one of my teachers would come out and need to tell me something. I've always put UAB on a very high pedestal for promoting thinking. I just, I am just absolutely honored to be on the other side of that door now and to be doing what these wonderful professors did for me. UAB is about, I want to say it's poetry in the city. I, 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 I don't have a way of explaining it. It's a, 
it's a beautiful place nestled in in the heart of, of Birmingham where there's so much his rich history historical context there's so many opportunities to help students understand diversity to understand um, different ways of thinking the sheer volume of students that we have who speak different languages and the experiences is really unbelievable and it's right here in Birmingham Alabama and I love it. I think that we we are always on fire. I think Dragons is very suitable. And that's what UAB means to me. It means a place for thinking and learning and and critically questioning. I've gotten to, you know, be to meet a bunch of different professors and um, you know, teachers that are in the field at you know, at the school I'm at now, um, at schools that I've, you know, gotten to be into and so the connections that are made by you know professors at UAB really do set you up you know for success because they've already forged those paths and you can get into schools because of them and you know get to see amazing teachers so I really think it's about connections um I love UAB too (laughs) be sure to check out past episodes of the UAB Green and Told podcast listen in at alumni.uab.edu slash green and told have a story to share or know someone who does, email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on social media. Just search UAB Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers! <laughs>